In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to dwell in our midst through the person of Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how much do you spend on Christmas decorations? Uh, Christmas is this amazing season that we have in the United States of America and kind of throughout the, the, the Western Hemisphere. We, we, we celebrate things a little bit differently here and there, but things, generally speaking, are celebrated in the same way, at least in the West. And, and there, there are a few different things that we do to celebrate Christmas here in the West. And uh, so, some of those things are, are giving gifts. Now, the average American spends about, this is amazing to me, about $850 for Christmas just on presents alone. That's the average American. You may spend less than that. You may spend more than that. But the average American, it's $850, which seems like a lot to me. It seems like probably more than I spent. Um, uh, but that's, that's there. But there's another number too. And that number is the amount of money that you spend on Christmas decorations. And the amount of money that the average American spends on Christmas decorations is about $60 per year. So about $60 per year, the average American spends on Christmas decorations. And, and that can involve, you know, things that you, you buy from Hobby Lobby. That can in, involve things that you, you know, buy at, you know, sort of little things that, that you put on your mantle. That, that can include things as big as your Christmas tree or, or maybe those lights that you string up outside. Uh, but about 60 bucks a year is, is what they figure the average American spends, which is up $20 from about 10 years ago. So, so about 10 years ago, it was 40 and uh, it's up to 60 last year. And they think that this year is going to be a, a real gangbuster year if you're in Christmas decorations because everybody is spending so much time at home that people are more likely to spend money decorating their homes since they're living at their homes more than what they have before. And, and so they, they think that, that maybe this year that, that'll, that'll creep up to 65 maybe $70 per American uh, that, that they're spending on Christmas decorations, which means that as a whole, we're spending about 15 billion, with a B, 15 billion dollars as a nation on decorating our homes for Christmas. That's a lot of money. That, that, that's a lot of money that we're spending on Christmas decorations. And that's not to say that, that spending money on Christmas decorations is at all bad, but it is significant to us. And since it is so significant to us, since it is something that so many people have done, you know, I even remember in my bachelor days decorating a lamp with a set of Christmas lights that I had because nobody was going to see that except for me. I didn't feel like I needed a Christmas tree, but I was going to decorate a lamp since so many of us have done some sort of decorating in our house or in our dorm room or in our apartment or wherever it is that we live, th there's something to that, that behavior, something to that thing that we're doing, that, that we're making our homes, we're making the places that we live just a little bit more festive in 
recognition uh, of this season, in recognition of, of what is happening here in Christmas, in recognition of what's going on in our lives. And, and, and there, there's certainly something good about that. And, and something about that, you know, it, it tells us that Christmas is coming. It tells us that Christmas is almost here. It tells us that, that there is something for us to prepare for. And that thing to prepare for isn't just the presents that are going to be underneath that Christmas decoration of a, a pine tree that, that you put there and, and, um, or, or whatever kind of tree it is that you put there. And it, it, it's not just celebrating the presents, but it's celebrating the person who is the greatest present of all. And, and so there, there's something to that, something good, something that, that's laudable, something that is sanctified about our Christmas decorations. And, and yet we, we start today off with kind of a strange story, kind of a strange story for, from Samuel here, where uh, all of a sudden we have this, this moment in David's life where he's sitting around with his court prophet, a guy named Nathan, and they're sitting around and, you know, they're probably having a little bit of glue vine um, or they're having, you know, they're sitting around having a beer together or maybe a lemonade or a sweet tea or whatever it is that you do after you triumphantly come into a, a new capital city. Because in, in effect, that's what has happened right before this point, is that David has become the, the conquering king of, of this new capital city, which is Jerusalem. And as he's coming into his new capital city of Jerusalem, he is uh, bringing with him the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God that has been hanging out in a dude's house for the past 20 years. So it's gone back and forth and here and there and all, all over the place. But basically, the, the Ark of the Covenant has been under house arrest for the past 20 years. And so David says, well, now we've got a capital city. And so what I'm going to do is I am going to resurrect a tent that looks a lot like the tabernacle, a lot like the, the tent that Moses brought the children of Israel through the wilderness in. So he comes into this new capital city and he brings with him all of these people that are going to set up this new tent and, and it's going to be great. And, and so then David goes and he, he goes to his palace. Now his palace wasn't built by Israelite people because they kind of took over Jerusalem. And, and as they took it over, so he's living in this Phoenician built palace, this really nice place. And you can tell that it's really nice because it's made out of cedar. To which you go, hey, I know someplace else that has cedar. It's University Lutheran. Yeah, uh, we have cedar right up there. If you're online, you can't see it. But if you're here, we, we live in a house of cedar. Whoa, pretty nice. And it would be even nicer if we were in Israel because Israel is not known as being a place with a lot of big trees. And so because of that, all of that cedar had to be imported from someplace else, which is why it's so important. It's sort of like when I was in Gainesville and I, I was a vicar down in Gainesville, which means kind of like an intern pastor. And their Hillel, their, their, um, their, their Jewish campus ministry, their building was built with huge boulders 
that they had shipped over from Israel. It's sort of that sense. It it was a big deal when they built their new building, and it was built with these huge boulders that were from Israel. And and that's kind of the sense here, that David is living in this place that is made out of all of this imported cedar wood. And so, again, he's sitting around with his court prophet, and they've just had a great day. It has been fantastic. They've brought the Ark of the Covenant out of house arrest. They've brought it into this thing that looks like the tabernacle, which, you know, kind of feels like where it should be. And they're sitting around and David says, wait a second. Why should the ark of God, why should God, because the ark is the manifestation of where, of where God is for David and for all of the Israelites. Why should God, why should his ark, why should those things be in a tent if I'm in this lavishly decorated cedar palace. And, you know, without even thinking about it, Nathan goes, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think you're going the right way there, David. You know, go and do all that is in your heart, is what he says. But then Nathan goes and you know, he excuses himself and, and he, he you know, heads off over to his room. And then the, the come, there comes a moment, this moment where, where God speaks to Nathan the prophet and God says, you're wrong. You, you go back and you retract that statement, Nathan, because here's the deal. I don't need to live in a house that is made of cedar. In fact, Have I ever lived in a house of cedar since the time of Moses and and wandering around? I've never lived in such a place. I don't want it. Don't build that for me. Tell David to stop. Tell him to stop with all the decorations. Tell him to stop with all, all of the fanciness. I'm good in the tent. Well, that kind of connects up a little bit with our decorations. Our decorations a lot of times are meant for ourselves or they're meant for other people that will be visiting us. They're supposed to you know, sort of exude this festive idea, this idea that something great is going to be happening, this idea that, hey, uh, there's something to pay attention to here. It's not just the, the plain old way that our house usually is, but now there's new stuff. There's festive stuff. This isn't just life as normal. Because I think what we're a little bit afraid of in the midst of that is that, well, if if our houses look plain, well, is Christmas really all that special? If our house isn't decorated, can we still celebrate Christmas? And we kind of know that we can, but we're also kind of not sure that we want to. Yeah, there's kind of this, this apprehension that we have to that idea of not doing something fancy for Christmas. And that's a little bit of what's at the heart of things here in these readings. And so we fast forward from, from this moment where David and Nathan are, are having the, the sort of, you know, talk about what could be done about decorating a house for the Lord. And we fast forward it 
to the fulfillment of the promise that God gives to David. You see, what, what happens when God talks to Nathan here is he gives him two things to say to David. The first thing is, don't build me that building. In fact, your son is going to build me that building, but you're not going to build me that building is what ends up being the case. But he says, don't build me that building. But what I am going to do is I'm going to appropriate a house for myself. But that house for who I am is, is not going to be a house that's made out of cedar. It's not going to be a house that's made out of you know, imported Italian marble. It's not going to be a house that is in any way significant in its outward appearance. It's going to look like everything is, is kind of normal. And it's going to look maybe even anticlimactic in some ways. But I'm going to build a house out of your house. Meaning that sort of uh, expanded sense of house. That, that sense of, I'm going to build a house out of your family. I'm going to build a house out of the people that come forth from you, David. And so we fast forward into that moment happening. As David's generations have gone, 28 generations from David we get an angel who appears to a girl who seems so plain and insignificant in so many ways. She's this girl who just lives in a small town, a town that uh, isn't even real discernible where it is on the map. She's this girl from this small town that is probably unincorporated and it's probably not a place that has even its own synagogue. And yet, to this girl, the angel of God, the angel Gabriel, shows up and says, you're it. You're the tabernacle. You're where God is going to dwell. It's big news. This girl does not have royal lineage. She hasn't been invited to any princess parties recently. She doesn't wear a crown. She doesn't wear a big fancy gown. She doesn't wear any of that stuff. She, she's not an influencer on Instagram. She's somebody that nobody has ever heard of. And to this plain and ordinary girl, the angel of God, Gabriel, appears and says, you are going to bear the salvation of the world in your womb. You are going to bear this child who will be the extension of David's throne, not only just through generations, but through all generations. Because he will be the one through whom God will forgive sins. 
He will be the one through whom God will include people into his kingdom. He will be the one through whom God will usher in the resurrection and the restoration of all of the world the way that it should be. And she doesn't have to be fancy. She doesn't have to decorate her life. The angel Gabriel doesn't say, guess what, this is coming. And so because of that, you, you have to do X, Y, and Z. You have to, you know, start taking your prenatal pills and, uh, you know, start doing this and start doing that and start getting ready for this momentous occasion that's going to happen. No, rather, it's just going to happen. It's just a gift for you, Mary. And, and that's the way that it is for you, too. And for me. God says, this is going to change your life in momentous ways. And any woman that has ever been pregnant knows that pregnancy changes your life in momentous ways. I can only see that from the outside. But it's not something that we have to prepare for. Rather, God comes to our world. He comes to our persons. He comes to us who are poor, undecorated, plain sinners. And he establishes his tabernacle in us. He says, I don't need a house of cedar. What I need is a tent. And you and I we maybe don't work well as houses of cedar, but we can pull off tent. Maybe tent with holes in it. Maybe tent that smells a little bit moldy and mildewy, but we can, we, we can still pull off tent. He says, you're human. That's all you have to be. Being human, being tent. And when you are human, You can have this faith that receives my son because I'm just going to bring him into your world. So you don't have to decorate for him. If you want to decorate for him, do that. If you want to do good works, do that. But know that his gift comes to you regardless because his gift is a gift that is happy to live in you wherever you're at in your life. And his gift being present in your tent is going to change the entire nature of that tent by itself. No decoration needed. May you this week recognize that God has come in order to tabernacle in you. Amen.